And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and that is Randall Carlisle. I took a shower today, <laughs> just so you that know, the studio would be a little more fragrant. You, you know, know, you are a wonderful individual, See? and that is pretty darn impressive. My mother taught me to take a weekly shower, and I did it today because we're we going to do this show. For those of you who have meetings with Randall on Monday or Tuesdays of each week, See if you can put it off till Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, because yeah. that's, that's my shower. <laughs> that, yes. That, that's the Wednesday day Wednesday morning. Yeah. And the reason that you're watching this show is that you don't have anything else better to watch. But we will alert no, you. No, it's because this is important because we're talking about addiction and recovery. And it's one of the biggest social issues across the country and the world today. That's why. So don't, don't put this show down. Okay, I won't. Okay. And now, now you've been scolded. I, I have been yeah. reprimanded yes. by the head newscaster. <laughs> and what this show is about is, as Randall just said, addiction recovery. Both Randall and I are in a group called AA, which you've heard of. And part of being in the club is the best way to keep it is to give it away. And so in many people, it's called service work in AA. And it sounds... if. Don't let that scare you away. AA is a group of people who are trying to help, and there's not a dime that's ever spent. It's totally, it's right. an amazingly free program uh, with a lot of people who are going to try to help. And, and it's all over the world. I mean, sure I, when I go down to Mexico, they have English-speaking AA meetings in little towns. And as know? a matter of fact, it's funny you should mention that I was visiting Auschwitz two years ago, and actually had an AA friend of mine, Jeff show up and we had a, a meeting in Krakow, Poland before yeah, going. Sure. And he was concerned about, you know, when you're going to one of the most evil places in the history of the world, right. you want to have just that little boost, but there are programs everywhere. Yeah. And uh, we're not saying that AA in any way, shape, or form is an answer, but it's part of the answer. And Randall now, while working at Channel 4, had an opportunity to leave broadcasting to go to Odyssey House. Right. And the people at Channel 4 were very nice to let you out. They of were contract. nice to let me out, and Odyssey was nice to hire me. So every the world is good. I've <laughs> had many broadcast people want to let me out of contracts, <laughs> and I didn't even ask. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, that happens. Great. But part of what we're doing is giving out information. There's a phone number at the bottom of your screen, 801-322-3222. My, my, I'm impressed. <laughs> Show number 32, I finally remember the phone number, and it's because there's the three and a two in there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Once we get to show 33, I'll never remember okay. it again. Yeah, you'll mess it up. Yeah. yeah. And that's the number at Odyssey House. And what we talk about is if you've got addiction in your family or if it's you and, and you know, you're feeling bad, give someone a call. Get out there and kind of spread your challenge to other people. Sure. There are so many people there to help. And alcohol or drugs might seem like the answer, but you know when you wake up sober or straight, you know it's not the I'll answer. I'll take sobriety over it all. And that's why I've got to introduce... I, I love this woman, okay? <laughs> and I don't mean it in an in a indecent way. <laughs> I've gotten to know Destiny Garcia mm -hmm. over a pretty long period of time now. And she is... Did you ask her for her autograph yet? Did I did you, not. Did you know that... Uh, we have a guest things? coming in for our next show, and we're just telling her to come on in and sit down. She, you should ask her for her autograph because she is a superstar of recovery. And she's featured in a documentary film that is being put together right now that might be in Sundance this year. Wow. Uh, she's been to Washington, D.C. She's just uh, 
she she speaks everywhere. What what else? You've been on every TV station. You've been on every newspaper. Every newspaper. Uh, so so well. Destiny. So I don't have a pen right here, but can we get your autograph when you're done? And she's just and she's just a wonderful person. So that's well. That's thank right. you for being here yeah, and classing up this show because normally. You know, Randall likes to sit next to me and, and talk about all his challenges. And so, Desi, it's one talk about yours. And you have an incredible story of both addiction and recovery. Can you? Okay, in 20 seconds. Can, no, we oh, have, don't well, do that to me because I can try to do that. I've been told that before. In 30 seconds or less, can you tell us your story? I'm like, ah. Yeah. Um, so, I was a single mom of two. Um, I was working full time. My kids were in sports. I had my own place, my own car, and I met a guy. Um, six or seven months into that relationship, he moved in with me. Um, and about a year into that, I got really abusive. So this is where my opiate addiction started. I started getting um, injuries like fractured eye sockets, broken noses. I had my teeth go through my lip. I mean, I still have a fractured eye, a fractured skull you can see on the side. And my above my lip, you can see where my, my teeth had went through and I had to get it redone. So I started taking these trips to urgent cares, doctor's offices to um, get pain pills because I had injuries that required pain pills. Um, the first time I went to the doctor, I walked out of there with 190 um, Percocet 15s, 90 Somas. 190? Yeah, it gets better. 90 Clonopins, and I think 60 muscle relaxers on my very first trip. And this is nothing you asked for. They just... I went there because I had a broken nose right. and I had to readjust my nose and my teeth had gone through my lip and I think I was bumped with the car that time as well. Um, I mean, abuse was so much. I, I, I hope I, this man ended up doing time in jail. No, no, no. Okay. No, so that started my pain pill addiction. He was he was also taking pain pills for work stuff. Um, I was with him for seven and a half years. So throughout this seven and a half year process, I'm in and out of the emergency room, taking pain pills, taking trying to leave, going back, trying to leave, going back. Um, and I finally left. It got really severe. I finally left. Um, I remember the day that I left, my son was in junior high school and my daughter was in elementary school. And we went to go get my stuff out of this house. And all the doors were locked. And I remember my son, he's in seventh grade, and he said, Mom, don't worry, I knew this was gonna happen. My window's always open. So my son, I was planning an escape wow. before I even wanted to escape, yeah. or before I was even ready to escape. So he went through his window, we unlocked the door, and we filled up my, my mom's car with everything that we could. And we left. So when I left that relationship, I left my home. I left the money. I left everything behind, just whatever we can fit in my mom's car. Um, but I had a huge addiction to pain pills. So I was given this opportunity to try to change my life. I moved in with my mom. I registered for college for criminal justice, youth services, and social work. I started going to college. Um, but I was so addicted to pain pills, I started to um, use meth to keep me awake during classes. Um, I would have, I was in classes where there was a police chief who was teaching the class <laughs> as I'm going to the bathroom to smoke meth and stay awake at the same wow. time at college. Um, needless to say, those addictions overtook everything and I started to shoplift to afford those addictions. My last class in college, which was a computer class, it was the last class I had to finish, um, I ended up in jail and didn't finish that class. So it was only like a nine-month course. So eight of those nine months, I was on the dean's list every single month. Wow. I did great in school. But I had, I had dual addictions. I was addicted to opiates and to meth at this time. 
So once, and that was over Christmas, I was going to Shopler to get my kids Christmas. Um, I was in jail over Christmas, over New Year's. Um, I got out of jail and the first thing I did was go get high before I even went home. At this point, my kids wanted nothing to do with me. So my son, my mom filed for custody of my son. Um, and I could go there off and on, but the, the minute I went there and said, I'm, I'm shooting up meth and I'm taking pain pills, I need help. It was more like, we need to protect your child. So I was told to leave my mom's house. My son's, my daughter's dad filed custody of her and I went to the streets of Salt Lake City. Um, out there is where I met somebody who did heroin. That's all it took. I was out there for five years, shooting up heroin and meth every two hours. So to support that addiction, I was shoplifting daily, like going to the malls, going to the store, shoplifting, whatever I can get my hands on. And I would take it down to North Temple and I would sell it for dope. Um, I quit trying to go to the doctors because they, the doctors weren't going to take the shoes on my feet if I needed to trade the shoes on my feet, where the dealers will take anything. Um, and most times they give you an extra balloon to secure that you're going to come back. Wow. Um, I was a hot commodity down there on North Temple because I had all this merchandise. I'd go to the malls and I would steal everything I could find name brand. Um, so I blew out every vein I had and throughout my entire body through that five years. And it all ended with <laughs> Operation Rio Grande. So throughout that five years, I was getting traffic tickets. After traffic ticket, I would get uh, shoplifting tickets. But my every time I would get a ticket, they would just cite me and let me go because it was like a shoplifting ticket. Or I would have a no insurance ticket. Were you getting caught a lot? I got caught five or six times. There's times I would go to jail and they would let me out like the very next day because my charges were misdemeanors. Most of my charges were traffic tickets. So on August 21st of 2017, I was down at Matson Park sleeping off in North Temple. I was dope sick sleeping. And that's when they had just started the Operation Rio Grande. So I was arrested that day. And when I was arrested, I was arrested on 13 traffic tickets and a Class B misdemeanor. And I remember as they were running my name, the cop was like giggling, saying, you have so many traffic tickets. Like, you don't even go to court for a traffic ticket? And I remember them. It was a male and a female officer. And I remember the female telling me as I'm sitting on the curb. And I'm sitting on the curb and I'm feeling just relieved. Like, now I can go into jail and sleep and eat and get back out tomorrow is what I thought in my head because I don't ever spend very much time in jail. They said, um, because of this sweep we're doing, there's a lot of funding for treatment. So if you want some help, now's the time to get some help. So this was the first time that I'd gone to jail and I wasn't asking my family to bail me out. I wasn't trying to get out. I was completely content of being in jail because I wanted treatment. I knew I needed help. I mean, I was sitting in the park for, for years, shooting up crying because I didn't want to shoot up. How about during the winter? During the winter, I would, it was the same thing. I'd walk around, go to the malls. I would go to my dad's house late at night. I'd get up early in the morning and go back out. So, and there's times I sit out all night long walking around because I wouldn't sleep most of the time at nighttime because you, I didn't dare to sleep at nighttime. Um, I would walk around all night for days and then I would go to my dad's or, and sleep a day or two and then go back out. God, what a story. So yeah. you're, you're busted and you're offered treatment. I'm offered treatment. So um, then when I get into jail, I start writing kites, asking for treatments. They pulled the, I was the first group of people they pulled from the operation. Assessed, they gave me an assessment in jail. And they um, said, okay, do you have an address? If you have an address, we'll give you, we'll get you out, out into an outpatient program. You can still get funded. 
I could have used my dad's address. I could have used my sister's address. I had addresses to use. But I know me, and I knew that if I would have got out of jail and I would have gave him the address, I would have ran. Because that's what I do. That's what I've always done. I mean, I got arrested on 13 traffic tickets. That tells you the extent of me running. Yeah. I don't even go to court on a, on a speeding ticket or a parking ticket. Um, so I said, no, I don't have, I'm homeless. I don't have an address. So they um, said, okay, well, you're going to go into Odyssey House. That was the best thing that ever happened. That changed my life. Yeah. It was the best thing that ever happened. And I remember like being assessed. And I remember crying because I was so happy that I was going to go into a program. I was so happy because I didn't know how to get treatment. I didn't know where to look for funding. I had no idea. All I knew, what all I'd come accustomed to was getting high and stealing. Getting high and stealing. <laughs> That's it. Wow. What a and, life. And in our last show, we met an amazing young lady, and we talked a little bit about <clears throat> crime. The people that are in jail, well over 50% of their drug and alcohol, mm-hmm. and a lot of the crime is because of just trying to get that high. Get yeah. it, you know, so much, if we could, instead of throwing money into incarceration, throw money into treatment and helping people out, we could go from being the most incarceration happy right. country in the world. Well, see, there she was that. she was savvy because she because the, the state got a waiver called Targeted Adult Medicaid at TAM, and it was for Operation Rio Grande, and it was for homeless people. So if she would have given an address, she wouldn't have had the same funding or the same access as saying, right. I'm homeless, you know. Right. So it worked to your advantage. Yeah. There's also this huge population of people in which I fit in where I don't have a felony and I don't have a drug charge. I'll... Even though all my crimes that I were committing, which was shoplifting, was to get high, if you don't have a felony or you don't have um, a possession charge, you're more more likely just to get released from jail instead of going into a drug court program because you I don't see. have a drug court, you don't have a drug crime. So that's that was my situation. So. But, but so by saying you were homeless, you got a chance to go to Odyssey House. And because of the Operation Rio Grande. So you were probably the one person who walked into Odyssey House going, "This is a piece of cake." Or not? No, I was probably one of the one people in Odyssey House that was very focused, and it wasn't. It was hard. It was hard to take all these years of trauma and abuse, and and not feeling worthy and work on yourself. That's hard. It's so hard. But when I got to Odyssey House, um, they said, "Well, we can give you the option for Vivitrol. We can give you the option for Methadone. Um, we can give you those options. Try to if it's going to keep you from running and going out there and use, we'll put you on Methadone." And at first I said yes. We went to the methadone clinic and they were closed. It gave me 24 hours to think in my head, do I want to get on methadone? And at the end of that 24 hours when they reopened, I said I didn't want methadone. I got on Divitrol instead. Which was, I was afraid to take any type of taste of any type of opiate or the feeling of being on any type of opiate. I was, I was scared. Can I say shit? Lee will edit that out. I didn't say that. I mean, you notice Lee writing down right now. We're on primetime TV now, so it's not. Well, we we're on Comcast. We're on a higher level. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So I was I was scared to take any opiate at all. For those of you who don't know, Vivitrol, there's something called MAT, medication assisted treatment, and that includes Vivitrol, Suboxone and methadone mm-hmm. and two, suboxone and methadone are both opiates and you're sort of hooked but you're it keeps you from being dope sick and it also doesn't you're not well with methadone yeah i guess you do get a little high mm-hmm. but but 
but it's better than being on the street and doing heroin. But Vivitrol is not an opiate, and it blocks the receptors in your brain if you do an opiate or if you drink. So, and it's not addictive. It's not habit-forming at all. And so it, it's a smart way to go. I mean, mm-hmm. you picked the, the you, smart way You made way the right go. choice. I was ready to get help, and I knew I needed help, and I wanted help at that time. So I got to Odyssey House, and I remember, like, the second day in there, um, the... One of the director, one of the people pulled me aside, one of the staff members, and said, can you please call your family? They are calling every treatment center trying to find you. You were released from jail, but nobody told them where you went. Wow. So I called my mom, and I called my son. My son was 17. No, he was 18. He was 18 at this time, and he said, find me, Mom. I'm so proud of you. That's all it took for me, and I stayed. I decided to um, stay focused. I didn't get involved in any of the drama there. I didn't get involved in any cliques. I never got in trouble. Um, there was nothing more important than my life at that point. So I went through Odyssey House in four months. So when I transferred out of Odyssey House, I was the first one um, to complete the inpatient program for Odyssey House for the Operation Rio Ground Sweep. That I used the Salt Lake County's first Silver Living pilot program voucher, which prompted a press release in my front room at Silver Living with then Mayor McAdams, all the elected officials, um, all the newspapers, all the news channels. There's a front page um, picture of Ben with his arm around her <laughs> yeah. and them hugging each other. Yeah. A little secret. 20 minutes before then, I had no idea who Ben was and who the mayor was. <laughs> well, I was in this addiction for so many years. They're like, the mayor? I'm like, who is the mayor? Yeah. Who is she? Is what well, I and, and, uh, <laughs> Right now, when you said you work for the mayor and your office is on 21st and State, uh, I remember that there was a mayor for Salt Lake County as well as Salt Lake yeah. City. So, so, I mean, we had no, I had no idea who it was. and But it, Operation Rio Grande was such an amazing program. And Greg Hughes, uh, there were a lot of people responsible. He was there. <laughs> yeah. And what it did was it, amazing. And it hasn't cured all the problems, but at no. least we're realistic yeah. enough to know that you've got to throw some money and resources at a problem. And yeah. you're living proof and most of them the people i talk to today that are in my recovery group that are in my circle are from operation Rio Grande. a lot of them are are doing really well really well so that prompted a press release in my house um ben hugging her even though he didn't where i told um the media i was out there shooting a parent you know and by the way after hugging you he is now in washington dc so it's been very good for his career oh i know because i've been out there with him (laughs) i'll get there ben and i are really good friends and he comes out and supports my son and my family um we are friends at this point so um after that press release i go to odyssey outpatient and i'm looking for jobs and looking for jobs and i i get a job they run my background they let me go because i have theft charges um and I go to an, uh, the city of the county or the county address. What is it called? What, the city county building? Or the yeah, where, county where building. he does a county address and he talks about all these things. I should know this. I work at the mayor's yeah, office. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, Anyways, oh, he invited me. The state of the county. Yeah, there you go. The state, state of the county. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the state of the county address where he invited me and my son and my family, and I was recognized about the Operation Rio Grande. Um, I went with him to advocate for some programs when the Trump administration was here. And it was at that meeting that he pulled me inside and said, look, we have an, an opening in the mayor's office. Would you come in and apply? In my head, I'm thinking, oh, no, no, I, I can't work in the mayor's office. Like, I, I can't do that. I'm a drug addict. I can't do that. So I went and applied. 
I went and interviewed, and he put me through four or five different interviews. I had to take a computer test, see if I can send an email. And all these things are things I've done before because I, I had a good work history before my addiction. Sure. Um, and then he offered me the position. He made me go through all those interviews, all these tests, knowing that he was going to give me the position anyways. And what is the, your title there? Right now, I'm the Constituent Affairs and the Volunteer Services Coordinator for the county. That's fantastic. She is yeah. the first person you see when you walk into the county mayor's office. is a big complex, and when you walk in through the front door, she's the first one to greet you. Yeah. I'm the last one you see when you leave, too. And when you call, I'm the one you hear. <laughs> well, and you are less than four and a half minutes from here. Yes. Our studio. We moved here just so we could be close to yeah. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it, it it is a situation when great people fall into drugs or alcohol. Yeah. There's The underlying greatness of an individual is still there. Yeah. And so it many takes times. Some time, it takes some time to pull that out. And there are many people out there in the community who will hire someone who's been through recovery. And, you know, it's not a panacea for everyone involved. People, you know, we have challenges. Mm-hmm. People are late for work. People have those things. But in this case, um, at the time, Mayor Ben McAdams took a chance on you, yeah. and, and it's worked out great. I did. I was still an outpatient. I was still at Sober Living. So I was uh, working 8 to 5 and then walking, luckily, just right across the street to Odyssey Outpatient. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how it all worked out for me and going to outpatient treatment until 11 p.m. and then finding out I was pregnant. So... I found out I was 15 weeks pregnant at that time, um, and I felt like everything was, I felt like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? So I stayed on with the mayor's office. I completed Odyssey House. I graduated mm-hmm. in August, then I graduated drug court in October, um, and I had my baby a week later. Wow. So luckily, I was at the mayor's office, and they decided to cover me at 100% of my wages for 12 weeks of maternity leave. So I'm yep. sitting at home with a new baby. Well, let me back step a little bit. So I'm in the hospital getting ready to give birth to this baby, and I have a strict no opiate plan. Because now I've graduated treatment, I've graduated drug court, okay. and I have no accountability at all, you know? And I, I was afraid, I was scared to take an, an opiate at any point, you know? So I have my baby, I get my tubes tied, and the nurse comes in and is like, oh, you have a prescription for Lortab? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want that. So the next nurse, that nurse leaves, the next nurse comes on. It's like, oh, here's your script for Lortab. I'm like, no, I don't want that. I finally had to get angry with the hospital and say, look, I have a very strict no opiate plan. I mean, the documentary crew was there with me as I'm, the documentary crew's following me for this documentary about the opioid crisis and people overcoming it and being successful and, and getting out there. And it's a real positive film. But they're there filming me, giving birth, knowing I'm an ex-heroin addict, and they're still trying to give me all these opiates. So needless to say, I went through that with not one opiate at all. I took ibuprofen. Um, it's would doable. you recommend that for people? I would recommend that for people. I would. Ibuprofen works wonders. It works wonders. Yeah. It works wonders. It was hard. I mean, when they're like, here's the Lord tab, there goes my brain. Even though I've been in recovery and graduated yeah. all these programs, here goes that brain thinking, oh, here's your chance to take that little taste. But I, I knew I knew I couldn't take that taste. So I went with ibuprofen I, I, only. That's amazing. And so you literally have a documentary that's in post-production now? And... It just finished its last filming. They were out here um, for the town hall that I was in on September 5th with uh, Mayor Jenny Wilson, District Attorney Sim Gill. Uh, Admiral Winnefeld was there. Uh, Department of Utah Substance Abuse and Mental Health was there. Sheriff Rosa Rivera was there. Like here I am sitting with all these people and there are people I was running from. For all these years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were yeah. now. She's a, a beloved member of the community. You know? Yeah. And your story is one that 
lets people know that, first of all, there's help out there for the yeah. lowest of the low. Living yeah. on the street yeah. for five years, shoplifting, doing whatever it would take to stay high. Yeah. And yet now you're working, you're helping people, and you're making a big difference. Yeah. But never, never in a million years did I think two and a half years ago that I was going to be sitting where I am today. I never, I never, I thought I would graduate treatment and who knows where I'd be. I never in a million years thought I'd be sitting in the Salt Lake County Mayor's office and being such a huge advocate for recovery. Um, so what I would tell somebody, what I would tell somebody is just take the next best step because you never know what's going to happen. I didn't had no idea this was going to happen to me or that I would embrace it and run with it either. And there's another expression when you're digging yourself into a hole, stop digging. Yeah. Yeah, stop digging. And and, and there's, it shows how resources can make a difference to a person. I mean, resources and, and personal caring. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it wasn't for Operation Rio Grande, who knows where you'd be or the funding that came along with that. If it wasn't for Odyssey House, if it wasn't for Ben McAdams taking you under his mm-hmm. wing. The Sober uh, Living Step. Yeah. yeah, yeah all I, of it. I mean, it's it was a perfect storm for recovery for her. But, you know, there's... A lot of people don't get that perfect storm, and that, that's why you need more programs and resources and more people taking an interest in people like Destiny. And I still struggle. I mean, after I've done all this greatness, and I've recovered so good, and I've, I've done all this great things, and I still have said, you know, a lot of people talk to me. So I still have that pain. I still have that struggle. I've been clean for two over two years now, and she still will not speak one word to me. I mean, and she's entitled to feel it any way that she feels because I cause that pain. But my story isn't just all good. Like, I struggle still every day. I have a 10 month old baby at home. Um, my son now A doll, lives, by the way. <laughs> of course. She's gorgeous. <laughs> my son lives with me, but I still, there's still those days that yeah, it's, it's I don't want to get up. You know, there's still those days that I don't, that I still struggle. There's still those emotions that I, I'm still learning how to deal with. Sure. And the hardest thing for you is the daughter th- yeah. issue, right? Yeah. That, that is the, probably the hardest thing for me. And she just doesn't want to have anything to do with you? No. I mean, rightfully so. It took me years to ruin that relationship. I I chose drugs over everything and everybody in my life for years. Um, she has a different perspective, I think, than what my son has. My son was with my mom, and he was there seeing everything. He was there, and he... He knew the challenges. He knew the challenges. He seen me overcome it. He was there from day one. My daughter was with her dad over, in, over here, and my son's over here with all of us. So she... She was a little protected, I think, by it, but she also, I mean, she, she's entitled to feel any way that she's feeling. I mean, it's that's her, the bottom it's, line. It's she is situation. entitled to feel whatever she feels, and that's yeah. how she feels right now. Yeah. Well, Destiny, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're yeah. an amazing guest. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, Randall's track record for picking guests <laughs> is 100%. Yeah. yeah. That, you don't get much better. Well, no, you don't. And she's, she's just... I, I, I've fallen in love with her, and we've been in a reasonable way, yeah, <laughs> uh, because she's just a wonderful person, and she's a good friend, and and she just impressed impressed me so much with the whole story, and I've sort of been with her and done several media events with her and everything, and she's she's blossomed into this wonderful. All these recovery events too. Yeah, we do a lot of recovery ton, events. Ton of recovery events, and she's well, she's at every single recovery event. I and try then, to be because that helps me stay humble, and it helps me stay sober, and I need to be connected. 
Sure, and and you know the one thing they say in a you've got to give it away to yeah. be able to keep mm -hmm. it, and it sounds like you're doing a great yeah. job of giving. So if you've watched and been inspired by Destiny's Story, and I would imagine that it's pretty difficult not to be, <laughs> we've got a number to call, which is Odyssey House, which is eight zero one three two two three two two two. Boy, you do that well now. I, 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 I there's no need for me to be here anymore. Then I've I got won't a have cute to take card a shower on, on Wednesday morning. I just won't come. And give a call, talk to someone. There's so many resources out there. We've just, mm -hmm. in Destiny's Story, heard about some examples, and there are people out there to help. And take advantage of that if you've got a loved one or yourself. It, it, the life outside drugs and alcohol is so much better. Look at what can yes, happen. It is. Really. Yeah. It, it can happen, and I think Randall and I, sure. our story is not nearly as inspiring as yours, but every story is important. Yeah. Thank so. You. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.